You are listening to Digfin Vox. Digfin is an online media group covering the digital transformation of financial services. Our podcast comes to you twice a month from our base in Hong Kong, Asia's leading financial center, where East meets West and developed markets meet the emerging consumer. Go to our website, www.ditchfingroup.com, so you don't miss out on our in-depth daily stories on how your clients and competitors are changing their business models across asset management, banking, capital markets, and insurance. Your podcast host is James Lindsay, and this is the voice of tech innovation in finance. This is Ditchfin Vox. Hello, and welcome back to Ditchfin Vox. I'm James Lindsay, your podcast host, and this is the voice of tech innovation in finance. Today, I'm joined once again by James DiBiazio and Karen Lai. In today's episode, we first discuss who will be the big winners in Hong Kong's fund distribution, followed by a quick chat about parametric blockchain insurance, whatever that is. James, welcome back. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Well, I'm okay. Just okay. Just Just okay. <laughs> okay. Well, firstly, uh, Hong Kong's SFC have finally settled on the rules for the sale of investment products online with its latest riveting paper, guidelines on online distribution and advisory platforms. Yeah, that's that's why I'm just okay because it's really a very okay kind of development. Okay, brilliant. So uh, yeah, this has been in the making for over a year and is a fairly important set of legislation, given that the size of the retail fund market here is over 1.3 trillion US dollars. But rather amazingly, over 90% of retail funds are currently distributed through the banks. Surely this is prohibiting competition. Yeah, and that's that's really the issue. I mean, um, tr- anyone trying to buy a, a retail fund in Hong Kong will know that the process is not very good. And I'm not just the, the, the process of that you had to go through to buy one, but what's available to you. Uh, compared to a lot of other places in the world, what we get in Hong Kong is is a super expensive uh, mm. distribution service is usually not very good. And even at the what are considered the premium outlets, uh, the fees are very high. Uh, the choice is limited. If you go into these banks, often the first thing they try to do is ram down high commission type products. Um, and Yes, there's a there's a suitability process. Make sure that it's the right product for the right customer, but uh, I, I don't I, I don't think. And when I talk to fund execs, and this hasn't really changed at all over the years, I, I don't think people are really getting very great quality. Okay, but that's the current state of things. I mean, what are the what are the new rules? Can well, you just give me a very very yeah, brief? So, over, keep, so, let's keep it short. Yeah. Though. So the new rule, in a in a in a nutshell, uh, the SFC has basically said yes, you can now distribute. Uh, licensed or registered mutual funds and other investment products that are approved by the SFC or authorized by them, you can now sell these through online platforms. So uh, theoretically, somebody, uh, you know, one of the big internet companies or, or, yeah. or a bank or anybody else who wanted to establish uh, an electronic online means, if they're, if they're licensed to sell these products, then they can do it online. Um, and so in theory, this is great because it means that we can open up to new competition, uh, because no one really has the where that has the wherewithal to take on the banks uh, in a traditional brick and mortar way. Uh, so maybe uh, now that's allowed, this opens the door for particularly maybe big Chinese uh, internet uh, companies to to come and do something, which yeah. should, in theory, uh, create um, create uh, 
a competitive, a more competitive landscape. So, so you'll get players like Alipay and Financial, WeChat, those guys entering the Hong Kong market, and you've already got people like Charles Schwab as well. Yeah, so um, it it allows for it it will allow for more competition, uh, but the question is. What can they do that's going to be different? And is there any, you know, is there anything different about doing things online than it is offline? Because the process offline today is it's laborious, it's slow, it's very paper based. You have to sit down in person for an interview uh, as a, as a customer who wants to buy yeah. something. Um, you know, so will it, so a will the process change? And b will this lead to different kinds of products being made available to people? Um, you know, particularly uh, you know low cost, uh, low cost beta products, which are um, that we robo advisors or ETFs. Well, I or mean, yeah, ETFs or or you know a robo advisor would be a platform through which you could you could buy this stuff. But you know, how are you going to be able to shake up the mix of what's available? Because right now, banks don't no bank sells ETFs that I'm aware of to a retail. Yeah. Uh, buyer because they don't get any commission. They get trail commission yeah, the, the, the yeah. salesperson's got no incentive to sell these things. So that's why they keep pushing. I mean, they they talk about providing you with uh, with with suitable products and they follow the letter of the law. But uh, but but they're not uh, but they're not providing really truly low cost solutions for people yeah. that you could find in in say the U.S. or or the U.K. or yeah. other markets. Well, you can't you can't sell. Things of trail commission in the U.S. or the U.K. Anyway. Right. So, I mean, of course, they've changed the way yeah. it works. But at any rate, so the issue is though that here we're here, and and this is actually typical for uh, across the region. So it's it's this is specifically a Hong Kong story, but the same thing is is happening to varying degrees all yeah. over Asia. So do you think that these these new rules which have come out uh, in the last couple of weeks, do you think that they favor the incumbent banks, or do you think they really do actually open the door for for new operators? Short term, they favor the incumbent banks. If is that the, because it gives them another way to sell? Or? Yeah, so it depends on to what extent the incumbents actually want to take this seriously. Um, but what the SFC has done, the other, the, the most important, I guess, uh, way they've approached it is they've decided that uh, the structure, the process, the design that you go through to sell products offline will be the same as what you do online. So. A lot of people said, hey, I can't, I can't do this. I mean, how am I supposed to do face-to-face? And we can't do this yeah. long survey interview and everything. But the SFC said, look, we, we believe that there is enough scope within the existing regulation and the existing setup that players have the ability to design things that are compliant with our current rules in an online space that provide the same protections to investors as they currently get offline. So the SFC is saying you have to basically adhere to the same ideas in our regulation, yeah. so that's There's no regulatory arbitrage, I guess. So. Right, yeah. and and which which I get. I mean, of course, they they can't. You know, they have to. They do have to look after the the consumer. But what that that obsession with looking after the consumer and doing it through this kind of process driven manner uh, also means that because it's such a, it's basically a conservative consultation paper that they put out. Uh, it's a conservative set of regulations that they've 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 announced so it's uh it's i question to what extent it's actually serving that end consumer in a sense that yeah. are we really creating a different environment for them to get a different set of products uh at a much lower cost sure. with 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 a simpler process 
Um, over the, time, the, the onboarding yeah. process would be simple. I, the, the end set of products might be the same, but I guess you've, you can do everything on your phone. You can set everything up. Yeah. Uh, immediately, you don't have to go in and have a wet signature on a piece of paper and several interviews. So that makes that bit quite a bit easier. We'll see what what product designs or or system designs that people come up with that are suitable for both compliance as well as for an online environment. Um, the the good news is that it does open the door formally to internet companies to come in and actually do something. So um, yeah, this we've got the way the way that it works is they. They've got uh, a 12-year period now before anyone can actually launch one of these online platforms that sell investment products um, or, or add investment products to an existing online platform. Uh, so we'll see. We've got about a year's worth of, of, of people testing, yep. looking for different partnerships, and we'll see. My guess is that initially whatever comes out will not be too bold, but um, over time, it should allow for a, a couple of internet players to gradually be able to come up with a, a, an offer that okay, really is competitive. So in the longer run, medium term to longer run, I think it will be, it will be beneficial. Um, and uh, and I'd, I'd like to see some more, some more changes to what is allowed on these products, yeah. uh, on these platforms. Uh, but uh, with, with particular regard to low cost index or ETF type vehicles, um, that's kind of a separate issue, yeah. but it's about what you can offer on these things. But for now, so, you know, it's okay. Um, it, you know, the good news is it does open the door to, to internet competition. Uh, the, the bad news is that I think it's going to be, uh, there's not really going to be, at least in the next few years, any meaningful change for investors in Hong Kong. Okay, brilliant. And um, there's crossover between this and the virtual banking licenses. I guess that's HKMA rather than the SFC, yeah. but it... Is there anything? Well, I think there's no formal crossover, but uh, one assumes that the HKMA and the SFC have coordinated, or at least spoke with each other. Uh, the issue is, it's not really an issue, I think the, the opportunity is that the HKMA is going to uh, allow virtual banking licenses, so challenger, neo banks, whatever you want to call them, digital banks, and... One would assume that at some point these banks would want to add on yep. features that are beyond just uh, deposits, uh, lending, uh, cards, and, and other things, and and they will want to add things like investments. So okay. there will be, you know, you'd think that some of these online banks will then also become licensed to be online uh, distributors for for investment products and for insurance products too. So, um, you, you know, I think combining these two things will create will create some interesting uh, yeah. opportunities. And what about asset managers going directly to the consumer? Do they have the, the brand awareness? That's probably, uh, in, in a Hong Kong context, I, d I don't know if we'll, if we'll see that. Um, the attempts in the offline world to do that have never worked in yeah. Hong Kong. Uh, it's very expensive, uh, and it's only 8 million people here. You know, the funds market itself is yeah. actually quite small, so bang for the buck, you'd really have to be marketing it probably for a more global audience, so that becomes even more expensive. Um, don't know if it's worth it, uh, and uh, I, I suspect, uh, but but it's possible that those players, if we have the right online setup, um, you know, could a Vanguard decide to go for it? Uh, yeah. You know, someone like that might, might attempt, but I think most of the big asset managers will, will, will stick to distributors. Sure. And a big item to come out of a consultation was suitability. Anything changed here? 
and no, and so suitability. This just goes back to the issue of of what kind of products can you allow. The process for suitability is triggered as soon as anything is deemed complex, uh, and uh, the, the, I think the important is just going back to the the statement that the SFC wants suitability online to be the same as suitability offline. So you have to go through the whole process. And in Hong Kong, this is a little bit more uh, in intensive and, and laborious than it is in, in other markets. It's a, it's a big deal. Uh, and there's still a lot of, I think there's, there might still yep. be some question marks around what this means. I think people will try to come up with ways to make suitability work more smoothly in an online yep. setting. But I think really what it means is online products will to, to get around the issues of how you how you are compliant with making sure the product is suitable for the person who wants to buy it means that what you get online will be super simple, really vanilla, and uh, and if the banks have their way, uh, high fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing complex. Nothing no derivatives. Com yeah. no, no, no. They'll be, they'll be no really alpha vanilla. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't. I mean, they'll be, they'll be alpha. But I mean, the, from and from derivatives. It's so. just going to be a very limited product set of what's available. Okay, brilliant. Um, and. So who's going to win? Uh, over time, uh, the the short run, I think uh, the banks will continue to to do just fine, uh, particularly if there's one or two that decide to take online distribution seriously. Um, you know, there's no reason why they can't. Uh, you know, they've got all the advantages with brand and the existing customer base and and so on. Uh, but over time, uh, internet companies, um, particularly, you have to assume some of the Chinese ones will. Uh, will find spaces to get in, uh, and they will over over time. One or two of them will probably become real competitors. Brilliant! Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you. Hi, Karen. How are you today? Hi, James. I'm good. How are you? I'm also very, very good. Thank you. Thanks for asking. So, Axolab uh, in Asia is in talks with Shanghai-based GRE or the Global Risk Exchange to exactly. develop a blockchain-based solution for insurance. Yes. Uh, what is this? Uh, well, firstly, who are, who are GRE? So GRE, uh, Global Risk Exchange, is a blockchain-based risk exchange marketplace based in Japan. The token based on this platform is called Risk Token. The turnover of this platform is about 2 million tokens every day. Um, there are many stages um, of this platform. In the very early stage, this platform is for token investors to hedge their risk in ICO. So users would be able to bet on whether or not they think their new listed tokens will fall on debut. I mean, the tokens they buy will fall on debut. Okay, or not. cool. That's what they're doing now, but they're now branching out into yeah, insurance. Are, yes, yes. They are okay. now they now decide to include insurance product into this platform. So they use this platform to connect insurance companies and policy holders with the actors in the middle of this platform helping to calculate the risk. And customers can submit a risk they want to cover on a platform and actuaries will design a product for it which will then be put up for bid for insurance company to okay. sell it. So why why is it different to anything else? 
why is it different to anything else? Okay, I will give you an example to explain that. For example, if I were a farmer, I want to protect my crop from rainstorm every summer. I can submit my knee in this platform and actuaries will do the calculation and then issuers would agree to service. So both my premium and claims would be exchanged over the ledger with a smart contract governing it. So if there is a rainstorm, um, my claim would be triggered by public data such as windfall volumes. Um, and then I can get the compensation right away with the data coming in. But if there is no rainstorm, my premium will then go to the issuers as their revenue. Okay, brilliant. Uh, and this is uh, something I'd never heard before. I had to Google this a few times. Uh, parametric insurance. Yes, this, is, this platform is specially for parametric insurance. So parametric insurance is insurance that agreed to make a payment upon the occurrence of a triggered event. So in the previous example of the farmer, um, the triggered event will be rainfall volumes. So there are many features in this platform. First, okay. so, so they're not protected against the exact loss. It's just that if an event happens, they get paid out no matter what. So if, there's, if it was an earthquake or if there was rain, a certain amount of rainfall, they just get paid the full amount of money. Is that right? Um, I'm not sure if it's a full amount of money, but they will get paid. Okay, okay, I understand, yeah. Um, and so why are AXA talking to them? Um, I think AXA Lab Asia talking to them because, one, uh, first, they see the merit of the blockchain and smart contract, because with the blockchain and smart contract, they will be able to lower the cost of operating and distribution, because blockchain... Um, platforms like GRE, they connect the end user, insurance companies, actuaries, and even the reinsurance company directly without going through the distribution channels and agents. Secondly, I think platforms like GRE provide insurance companies with more opportunity to reach the underserved population. For example, in the farmer case, there may not be such kind of insurance product to um, provide a profitable way for insurance company to reach them. Brilliant. Okay, that makes makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, I'm James Lindsay, and when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the commercial director of Digifin Group. If you enjoy this podcast, please listen to it again and share it on social media so that your friends can find it too. Thank you.